Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write you the same things to me indeed is not tiresome, but for you it is safe. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law a Pharisee, concerning zeal prosecuting the assembly, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. However, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, World English Bible Translation. Welcome back to my Bible study podcast. I'm Brian, and we've been talking about where we find our identity. Specifically, we've been reading through the books of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament and Philippians in the New Testament. Do we find our identity in the things of this world or in God? One of these is fleeting and vain. The other is lasting and life-giving. Today we start Philippians chapter 3, and we'll continue to see this theme unfold. On the whole, one of the resounding themes of chapter 3 is that God is better than everything else, that nothing compares to him. We'll read that this is why an identity founded in God is not just important, but it's vital. We cannot find our confidence in our own flesh, our own accomplishments, our own resumes. And let's put all our cards on the table. When it comes to our own resumes, the truth is, when we rely on what we've done to give us our confidence, we usually are never satisfied. There's no lasting joy because we're always resume building. We've talked about it as we've walked through the book of Ecclesiastes these last few weeks. We are not in control. As much as we might try, we are not actually masters of our own little universes. So if we can't find any prideful confidence in our own resumes, what should give us confidence? Well, the one who is in control, the sovereign God of the universe. These first seven verses remind us to set aside our own accomplishments and how far we think we've carried ourselves. If you're a Christian, it's calling us to lay down that prideful rock of status and instead to be free to have confidence in what God has already done what Jesus Christ has accomplished, and how the Spirit is working in you now. If you're not a Christian, it is a calling to faith in Jesus, who bore our sins on the cross, to worship God above ourselves, and to rest in a confidence that surpasses our own abilities, a confidence founded in an identity that loves and lives for God above all else. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not tiresome, but for you it is safe. Philippians 3, verse 1. So this chapter opens with a familiar refrain for Paul that we find throughout this letter. Rejoice in the Lord. 
Find joy in God, not things, not actions, not accomplishments. Paul will spend the rest of the passage unpacking why we should find our joy and confidence in God above ourselves. But he starts the chapter on a firm foundation. Rejoice in the Lord. The World English Bible here says that for Paul, indeed, it was not tiresome to declare and write to his brothers at Philippi. The NIV, the ESV, and the CSB all say that it's no trouble for him to write Rejoice in the Lord. The King James says that it is not grievous. The NLT says that he never gets tired of writing it. You get the sense that not only does Paul feel it's extremely important to say it, but that he takes so much delight in speaking it. Paul rejoices in calling his fellow Christians to rejoice as well. So we've heard of people getting stuck in a downward spiral, where they get down and then through thoughts and events they just get more down, which causes them to think more things that get them further down and it's just kind of a downward spiral. Well here, Paul is in a bit of an upward spiral. He rejoices in the Lord and he seems to rejoice more in telling them to rejoice. And he says earlier in the letter that they're actually feeling joy, that causes him to rejoice even more. It's this amazing building up of each other and encouraging each other upward in a positive way, in a way that rejoices in God and God's children and causes us to almost burst with that joy. It's an uncontainable joy. Paul closes the verse by declaring that rejoicing in the Lord is safe for them. Being firmly planted in this joy of God, it can provide a safeguard against the world. As we'll read in the next verse, it provides a buffer between ourselves and succumbing to the false teachings of the world. Stand firmly planted in God. Let your identity be built around Him, and it can provide you a safety net from spiritual warfare. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Philippians 3.2 So here's a warning from Paul, a warning not to listen to some of the religious sects of the time who were demanding Jewish physical characteristics, namely circumcision, from the Gentile Christians that Paul's writing to. In other words, Paul is saying it's not about outward ceremonies or physical traits. Sure, you can exercise those physical traits, but being circumcised is not a requirement for salvation. The blood of Christ was not poured out only for to save the circumcised. Well, there were these groups back then, and they falsely told Gentile believers, believers who weren't part of the Israelite descendants, that they weren't real Christians if they didn't follow the ceremonial rules of ancient Judaism. There are still people today who feel you have to fit in a very specific character set in order to be saved. People who would demand that we transform ourselves to make us savable. Well, it does not work like that. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And to be honest, to hold the belief that it's Christ and something else that needs to be done, that's to cheapen what Jesus did on Calvary. That was his word on the cross, not mine, finished. And the thief on the cross who turned toward Jesus and believed in him, he was promised paradise by Jesus. But Jesus didn't say, hold up, you're all tied up, and because you don't have time to get circumcised or go follow those ceremonial or institutional rules, I guess I can't actually give you that paradise. No, Jesus promised that believing sinner paradise, and then said that what he came to do was finished, completed, 
not requiring additional actions beyond faith in what Jesus did. Paul says that to demand actions before faith or salvation is to preach something false, something evil. Then Paul throws something back at the Judaizers. You see, they at that time, they would refer to the Gentiles as dogs, which back then would have been kind of dirty, mangy animals who roamed the streets. Well, Paul flips it on them and declares that it is actually the preachers of this false doctrine who were acting as these street dogs, not the Gentile believers. As Christians, we are called to obedience, not ceremony. We are called to a faith that goes hand in hand with heart transformation, and that transformation should overflow into our works and our lifestyles. That is what being a Christian is, not checking all of the right procedural boxes. That means that we come to faith, and then we display that faith to the world through obedient baptism, through biblical community, through prayer, through time in God's word, through loving God and others. For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I yet more. Circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law a Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the assembly, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Philippians chapter 3 verses 3 through 6. So Paul here declares that the circumcision party, if you want to call it that, the party of people who are actually saved by God, that is not based on physical traits, but instead that salvation from people who worship God, rejoice in Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh that comes through faith. To underline this sum, Paul then goes into a long list of what his resume looks like. I mean, you can go through each one, but really the important parts is that this is a dude who followed the ceremonial law, who lived righteously, who knew the law, and who tried to keep it. In fact, he probably had the first five books of the Bible memorized, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had a family tree that looked great on paper. He was a Pharisee and a rising star among the religious elite of the time, and he had made it his mission to bring to justice those that he felt were blasphemers. He doesn't provide the list, though, of these great accomplishments to underline how cool he was. He does it so that we aren't tempted to say, well, maybe Paul wasn't accomplished enough to be confident in himself, but I'm definitely that accomplished. Paul was saying, look, don't compare, but if you really want to go there, if you really want to compare, just know that if any of us has a claim to be confident in their own accomplishments, it's me, Paul says. And Paul is saying that that's the point. You can never have enough accomplishments of your own or enough of your own perfect resume to place more confidence in yourself than you do in God. We are saved by what Jesus has done, not by what we've done. And submitting to Jesus as a follower of him is to recognize that truth, to recognize that it is by his actions. I mean, after all, when I die and I'm standing in judgment, I don't want God to look at me and to judge me by my accomplishments by my lack of righteousness. I want God to look at me and say, washed clean by the blood of Christ because you believed in my son. Thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. 
Next episode, we'll hit Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And then the second half of the week, we'll pick up in Philippians verse chapter 3, verse 7. Until then, though, I love y'all.